Hello? Hello, who is this? Hello, Sydney. No, no, I'm sorry, you've got the wrong number. This is Hayden. And I'm Wesley. And, and welcome to the Dive In Movie Cast, <laughs> a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. Uh, Usually we say our names here, but we've, well, we've broken the whole... Uh, yeah, we've already said it. Yeah, so welcome, welcome to the, the Scream Pod. This is an episode that I've... I've waited to do a very for a very long time. Since mm-hmm. we started this pod, I've been dreaming of you finally watching the Scream franchise and us finally talking about it. And with a fifth film that has just released in theaters, uh, what better time for us to finally get into it? Exactly. I'm uh, I'm fairly new to the Scream franchise. Bef- coming up to the new movie, I watched all of them except for only t- thirty minutes of three. You were for- you were forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're here. We're ready to go. We are excited to talk about Scream. To get into Ghostface and all of his uh, his spooky antics. All his shenanigans. But before we get into Scream, I don't want to linger on anything, but we are now uh, COVID negative. We are now back to society. Yes. If you listen to our last pod on Licorice Pizza or our Don't Look Up, uh, Don't Look Up episode, you would know that yeah, Wesley and I tested COVID positive and we were isolated and trapped inside, but we are back to we the real life. Back, feeling healthy, feeling good. Um, I am an uncaged, the day that I got out, (laughs) the day that I was let out of quarantine, I literally went, the animal is free. Unleash the beast. (laughs) Cause I, I had been stuck in my room for so long and my parents were bringing me food to my door. It was literally like an animal at feeding time. Yeah. You got it worse than I did. I had like a, a you an had apartment a- to keep myself entertained, but you were kind of just trapped in like a little bedroom. Yeah, literally. So I'm I'm very glad to be out, feeling nice and healthy, and ready to get back into the world. Yeah, we're feeling better. So what better thing to do than talk about a masked man murdering people? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I uh, no, it hit me really hard, man. I actually felt like shit. So mm-hmm. everybody, get vaccinated, wear your masks, whatever. I'm not going to preach to you, but yeah, I was lucky enough to have no symptoms, but uh, the entire time. Um, but also, uh, good news for anyone that is here in Nova Scotia that is in our age range, um, 18 plus, uh, now can get their booster shots. So sign up for your booster shot. I, I will be doing that as soon as I possibly can um, and trying to stay healthy. But now I'm super immune. We're super immune. Are we? Well, it's not super immune. Essentially, after, it's it's like... Um, chicken pox, that kind of thing where you get it once and your body builds up an immunity. So the vaccine has helped us to start to build that immunity. But now that we've gotten it, our body has built a better immunity. Um, not saying that we will never get it again, because oh. you can. I was waiting for you to tell me I was just about to unlock my superpowers or something <laughs> here. But we have a lower chance of getting it now. Okay. Damn. Good so, to hear. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we're, we're all feeling better mm-hmm. and we're about to talk screen because... Second, I was tested negative and I was feeling completely fine. I was like, let's go. To Buying the, my tickets. Back to the theaters. Back to the theaters. Mask on. Um, but I guess off the bat, let's talk a little bit about Scream. And not Scream 5 yet, or Scream 2022, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we will get into that, but I want to talk a little bit about the first Scream. I think what we're going to do with this episode and the way we're going to go through this is we're going to talk... Uh, Scream 1, and then we're going to talk Scream 2, 3, and 4 briefly, I think, and then spend a little bit more time on, on 5, since it's new and everybody's talking about it. Yeah. Uh, but to start off with, with Scream 1, mm. what are your first thoughts before I completely gush about this movie for five minutes? So I, uh, I watched this movie with you guys, actually, um, and I was 
like really surprised by this movie. I'm not a huge horror fan. I don't like slashers as much as Hayden does. Um, but this movie really subverted my expectations. I I really enjoyed how a lot of the movie talks about the classic expectations of a horror movie and then uses some of those tropes tastefully and subverts you on some other ones as well. Um, but honestly, it was just a lot of fun. And the cast is really good. Um, you've got Matthew Lillard, who absolutely kills it in Dude, his role. He's a national he's, treasure. He's my favorite character in that movie. Oh, absolutely. He's impossible to take your eyes off. He steals the show. He's so fun. Um, and yeah, it was just a really good time. I, I did really enjoy it. And I was surprised because, like I said, it's not my favorite franchise, but... Um, it's definitely at this point, it's definitely in my top five favorite horror movies. Nice. The first scream movie. I love to hear it. Um, so scream for me is an incredibly important franchise and it is the franchise that I, that I credit for getting me into horror movies, Mm. not getting me into horror movies in the way I am, but really like making me think, Oh shit, this genre is like something that I love. And I don't know what it was about it. I think it was the way that it, it made fun of other ones without like feeling like a satire you know like scream still works first and foremost as a horror movie and then secondarily it's making fun of all these other uh franchises and and all the cliches that we've seen but i think there was something about just the way that the characters are cracking jokes while simultaneously running for their lives in a way that never feels stupid Mm -hmm. i think that just immediately clicked so so fast with me the second i first saw this movie and I've, i've seen the first one like seven times i've seen all the sequels like two or three times. So I'm a huge fan. I've even watched the MTV show. There was an MTV show? Yeah, it was like an anthology. It did its own thing with the story. It was... Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know. I didn't hate it, but it's definitely not good. Um, but I, I, to say... To put it all in short, I am a, a diehard fan of Scream. Mm-hmm. So I've been waiting to do this episode. So I'm so glad to hear that you that you liked the first Scream movie. Yeah, I think just one thing that to add on to what you had mentioned... Um, I think one of the things that makes this movie so good is, like you said, um, it's a good balance of making fun of these horror movies but also being terrifying itself. And I think the reason why that works is because the characters, like you and I, watch a horror movie and they're like, that'll never happen, mm-hmm. which is such a genuine reaction. Like, no one no one watches uh, like Nightmare on Elm Street and then gets terrified by their dreams they're like well that's not gonna happen i'm not gonna no evil demon man's gonna possess my dreams tonight um and so i think that's why it works so well because they're so realistic about it but it's all happening at the same time so Mm -hmm. it's a really good balance uh when it comes to their comedy and joking about the genre in general yeah to me you know jason's scary in the sense of like it's not ideal for you to be camping and have a masked man in a hockey mask try and kill you yeah but it's also, like, it's far more out there. You know, something like Freddy or something like Jason, they're not that scary because it's like, I don't really think that's going to happen to me. Exactly. But somebody who goes to your high school putting on a mask and deciding to kill you because he thinks it's going to be fun, that's really scary. Yeah, that's and, terrifying. And that's why I think Scream works is because it has these funny, relatable um, teenagers, but it also has this really, at, at its core, terrifying premise of, Somebody is killing people and somebody's taking their love for scary movies way too far. Yeah. And I think that's what makes Scream work so much. And it's like horror comedies are such a hit or miss genre. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people really like horror comedies because it's, you know, it's a it's a tightrope that is really hard to walk. 
Yeah. People are leaning way too hard on the funny or like it's too bleak and you can't really laugh at what's happening because it's so scary. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Scream just really nails that. The moments where characters are hamming it up and, and being goofy are super entertaining. But also there's even like this dark comedy to it, you know, where I'm going to spoil it. But also Scream came out in 1996. So if you haven't seen it, yeah. um, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, this is your warning right now. We are probably going to spoil all these movies. Whole franchise. So if you haven't seen any of them, uh, go check them out and then come back. And then come back. But in 1996, um, to have, you know, this dark comedy where Billy and Stu are stabbing each other, but, like, the dialogue coming from Matthew Lillard where he's just like, I'm dying, I'm dying man. here, man. <laughs> and, like, when, they, when Billy throws the phone, he's like, you fucking hit me with the phone, dick. There's just so many goofy lines in the midst of the fact that, you know, this innocent girl is finding out that her boyfriend... Uh, raped and killed her mother along with his friend and now he's gonna do it to her yeah so like it's really like a, a terrifying scenario at its core but then you just have Matthew Lillard like frothing at the mouth and it's like it's funny exactly. so I feel like Scream just does that really well um so I, I really quickly I want to talk about the legacy of Scream this isn't something we have to stick on very long because everybody knows how influential this movie was but at the time that Scream came out, horror had reached like an all-time low. All these franchises were on like incredibly cheap. You know, they were putting whatever m- money they could to make a movie into mm-hmm. it. They were on like the ninth movie. There was no plot. It was just like Jason goes to New York and he stabs someone. <laughs> like that was like those that was slasher movies and horror movies really at the time that Scream came out. So to have this movie kind of come back and it's making fun of all these movies that you've gotten sick of and all these movies that aren't really that scary. And then to have it call that out and to mock that and to, you know, audiences hadn't really gotten used to hearing about the things that they really watched in movies. Yeah. Like it was the idea of like hearing somebody talk about Jason or hearing somebody talk about Freddy in a horror movie was completely unheard of. So it, it let it, it lent this relatability and this credibility to it that I think really just completely changed the genre. Mm -hmm. After Scream came out, it was like, Everyone was trying to make a whodunit slasher on the least amount of money as possible. And, you know, that's where you get stuff like uh, Urban Legend and I Know What You Did Last Summer, which you probably have not heard of or seen. I have heard of both those movies. Haven't seen them, though. Okay. Yeah, they're pretty much just cheap scream knockoffs. And, like, if you like slasher movies, you'll probably have fun with them. But it's very clear that they were like, oh, money, you know? Yeah, exactly. And and so Scream did this thing where it, it recreated the horror genre, kind of broke it down made fun of everything it had been for 30 years and then was like, now this is what we're going to be going mm-hmm. forward. And uh, I think the the longevity of Scream, seeing how the new movies kind of poke and make fun of how horror changes every couple years is one of its longest lasting appeals. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like you can't talk about the original Scream in particular. We can talk about the sequels and gloss over their legacy because I don't know if they have a legacy beyond being in the franchise. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, <sighs> but the first movie is one of the best horror movies ever. It's my favorite horror movie ever. And it just completely shook shit up. So it, I just had to emphasize that the legacy of that movie can't be understated, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's just get into the opening scene with Drew Barrymore. I don't want to talk the plots of these movies because everybody knows them. Yeah, it's, it's not that deep of a plot, no. honestly. Someone dude is killing people and doing it based on horror movies and yada, yada, yada in the small town. Mm-hmm. Um, but the opening scene with Drew Barrymore, what did, what did you think of the scene on, on first watch? On first watch, uh, I mean, you kind of gave me a heads up telling me like, all oh, the screen movies do this where they bring in this big actress just to die at the very beginning of the movie. 
Um, and so I thought it was a really well shot scene. Um, you, it's, it's like the classic, very nostalgic girl is alone in her house. She even gets in the shower too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will, we'll get into it. Uh, once we get to scream four as well, I want to mention something about that, but, um, it's that got that classic, like horror feel where it's like, Ooh, scary things going to happen. Um, but I think it does a really good job at just setting up the entire premise of the movie and the entire premise of the killer, uh, without giving anything crazy away. Like it's the perfect little setup to the movie to be like, this is our killer. This is how he kills people. So, you know, when they get a phone call that they're done for, um, and so I think it's a great setup, and it's a, such a fun way to start a horror or a slasher movie as well. Like immediately seeing the killer go to work, because a lot of the times you'll have to slog through about like thirty minutes of setup until you actually see the killer in the movie. But in this one, they're like right away, it happens. Yeah. Um. So I think it's a really fun and exciting way to start a movie like this. I agree. I think agreeing with everything you said, but also saying the fact that to me, at least personally. This is one of the scariest, um, most tense and suspenseful openings to a movie ever. Like, at least for me, ever. Like, I, I, I think I've seen this scene more than I've seen the movie, just because I've watched the scene alone, like, isolated before. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's never not entertaining and never not, like, riveting and, like, really scary. And, like, I'm fully in it every time. And I know that Drew Barrymore is going to die, but I'm like, holy shit, no way. There's no way this is going to happen. <laughs> So I think the fact that this scene is so impressive all these years later is really just a testament to the filmmaking. It's mm-hmm. it's a perfect way to start a movie. It's an 11-minute intro of just like pure suspense from the second it gets going. And on top of that, Drew Barrymore was marketed as the lead actress for this movie. Oh, really? Yeah, they weren't like Nev Campbell as Sidney Prescott. They were like, Drew Barrymore as Casey Becker is your main character. She's in all the trailers. The poster is her. Like oh really she's in the poster yeah she's the main face of the poster wow. they really uh they really got them on that one yeah man she was a huge celebrity at the time so to they got the ultimate gotcha because audiences were like holy shit they just killed like the face of the movie the biggest mm-hmm. actress of the movie like eleven minutes in nothing is off limits you know and so like yeah I think that this scene I just I had to give it a specific shout out because it's it's super incredible um, and Scream One also has the ultimate friend group out of all these scream movies. Mm. We'll get into some of the other friend groups as we go through these next couple movies. But essentially this is just to say they were never matched as they were in scream one. Yeah, no, you, you couldn't top that. Like they had such a good chemistry of characters and it was like a interesting enough group where uh, when I was watching the movie, there were many times where I was like, okay, one of these people is sketchy, but they're all super sketchy. Like, Mm -hmm. um, so many people in the friend group are just like weirdly, I don't know, nonchalant about murder. Yeah. They're like, oh man, this girl died. Well, let's have a party. Yeah. It was like, oh, you probably like, I couldn't imagine if someone we knew got murdered and then you and I were just like, Hanging out, like, I bet you did it, buddy. Hayden, I'm so sorry, but if someone that we knew got murdered and we were all suspected... You think I'm the suspect? You, I'm too obvious. That's the thing. I know all about these movies. You're you're so obvious that you would become one of the good guys trying to figure it out, but in reality, you were the one who did it. That's true. The biggest twist. But you're sitting here, theater student, you have no relation to these killers, and you're <laughs> accusing me? 
<laughs> I think you might be the killer, Mr. Giffen. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I mean, if our friend group started accusing each other of killing someone, it's a little sketchy. It's just weird. The context of like how chill they are with like these accusations hurtling at each other is yeah. like, damn, you guys are wild. So I think it's really good in the sense that they are. there's something weird about all of them mm-hmm. to the point where you're like, oh, maybe it could be one of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it is an awesome friend group. I do really enjoy the dynamic between they've just them all. Got, they've got the peak 90s energy where they're mm-hmm. just sitting around the fountain and they're just saying all this nasty shit. I love when Randy's just like, he's doing all his voices, and he's like, did you really put her liver in the jar? Because I heard you put her liver in the jar. <laughs> also, that's just to say Randy is amazing. Randy is so good. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that the friend group in this movie is like, I don't know if the other Scream movies, for as much as I love them, were ever able to even, like, I can't name characters or actors or anything from the other friend groups in any of the movies until Scream 5, mm-hmm. to be honest, or maybe 4. But I, I just feel like one nailed it with that that peak 90s energy yeah one really nails it i think um ford does also have a good friend group and i did like fives as we'll get into mm-hmm. um but yeah one definitely is the best friend group yeah and that is to move on to the main characters a little bit now because i want to talk about Sidney prescott uh dewey and i want to gail weathers you you disrespect my man dwight <laughs> yeah, that is right. actual name dewey what is his last name? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I know it. I don't know. I hate that it's not I correct. want. I want to say it also starts with a D, but I could be incorrect. Anywho, y'all, y'all know Dewey. It's Riley. His last name's Riley. Dewey Riley. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I, I want to talk about these three characters separately. So let's start with, let's start with Dewey. Yes. Off the bat, because Dewey just, you have so, I have so many things to say about Dewey. Mm-hmm. This man is the most wholesome dude ever. He's amazing. He, he's such a gentleman. And on top of that, David Arquette's portrayal of Dewey is, I think, what makes this character. Because I think mm. you could have a lot of actors playing this character, and it would just be like, oh, he's playing the dumb cop. you know. But I think the way David Arquette plays him, he's not the dumb cop. He's the inexperienced, charismatic cop. He, he's the inexperienced cop who wants people to take him seriously. Yes. And, and that's, that's very prevalent in the first movie, too, with his, his dad is the sheriff, if I'm not mistaken. I think so, yes. Um... And so everyone treats him like, uh, oh, you're just the sheriff's boy, essentially. Everyone calls him Dewey all the time. And he's like, my real name's Dwight, but no one says that. Everyone just calls him Dewey. And he never lives it down either. He's always Dewey, and it doesn't change. He's talking to his sister. He's like, mom says you have to respect me as a man when I wear this badge. Exactly. But, yeah, yeah no, he, he is fantastic. And I, I do really like the portrayal he does where it's like it's less of dumb cop and it's more inexperienced who wants that respect. It's just so many funny things, too. Like you have uh, when they're sitting in the police station, like the main sheriff is, is drinking a coffee and he's like chugging it back and Dewey's eating a donut. You know, yeah. it's like little fun things like that that just say a lot about who he is. But he's he's a character that you love and like almost Im- immediately from the second you see Dewey, you're like this man. I want nothing bad to happen to him. He's so nice. He's so kind. And I, I love the relationship bet- with Dewey and the other characters. And so that does directly tie into Sydney and Gale. But I, I think what works the most about all three of those characters is their relationship with each other mm-hmm. and the way that they all interact. Like, I think it's such a bold move where, you know, Sydney's our main final girl. But at its core, the love story, all the chemistry, that's Dewey and Gale. Because, you know, Dewey does fuck (laughs) absolutely 
<laughs> Dewey is out here. He's such a charmer. The sexual tension between him and Gale in every single movie mm-hmm. um, is so palpable. You could cut it with a knife. Yeah, and you um, can accredit that to the actual real-life marriage between Courtney Cox and, and David Arquette. But exactly. Yeah, you can feel that relationship blossoming in those early movies, You man. can feel the sexual tension. I guess that leads us to Gail Weathers. Yes. Um, Gail Weathers, the news reporter, the small-town news reporter. The the one that you love to hate. You know, this, yes. this bitchy girl who I feel like at her core, she's not a bad person, but she is slimy. Yeah, she is pretty slimy. Um, and so it's... Gail in the first movie, um, she is so mean. She's awful. She's a horrible yeah. person. She's literally, there are people coming up to her and being like, actually, no, I, I remember this scene exactly. She literally, I think Sydney is walking out of school after like everyone's looking at her and like um, everyone is like calling her out for, or everyone's doing like the ghost face stuff or whatever. Um, and she has, I think she's already been attacked once, right? She gets attacked multiple times yeah. in the first one. Yeah. Um, and Gail just walks up to her and is like, Hey, you're the one who got attacked. Tell me your whole life story. Tell me how it happened. She's yeah. like, please stop. I I'm being traumatized throughout my life. And Gail's like, I don't give a shit about what you feel. I need to get the story. I need the story. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like I know reporters are like they're aggressive like that because they have to be to get the story but gail like does not care what anyone's feelings at all there no there's a scene in scream three where she's like at like a she's doing like a conference and she's just like do whatever you have to to get the story if you have no friends that doesn't matter if you have success and i'm like damn gail yeah um but yeah, I, one of my favorite scenes with gail in, in the first scream movie and it really highlights how much of a nasty bitch she is in that movie is when Sydney's talking to her, and Sydney's like, "How's the book coming?" And Gail's like, "Oh, it's coming great. I'll will send you a copy." And then Sydney just yes, nails her in, her in the face. face. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I think that that scene just really highlights how nasty Gail is in that first movie, and and she mm-hmm. does have growth as she goes on. But I think Courtney Cox just well, yeah, growth in like a growth in a general sense. Yeah, and like a you know growth is like she's gotten older. Mm-hmm. But I, I think uh, Courtney Cox just completely nails it with with that bitchy performance where i'm like i love gail weathers and she's amazing but also she's awful and she's like a terrible person courtney cox great actress her hairstylist for the upcoming movies not so much questionable she got a new clearly she got a new hairstylist for scream five she was like you guys can't keep making me look no clearly she was just like let me do my normal hair yeah that's her normal hair yeah, man, it's like a, a downward spiral watching Courtney Cox's hair throughout these movies. Mm-hmm. But I guess that leads us to now talk about our main, our final girl, Sydney. Dude, I'm about to go crazy. <laughs> Sydney Prescott is the best final girl ever, mm. ever. I think that may sound disrespectful for Halloween fans who are like, what about Laurie Strode? Laurie Strode's dope. I'm not about to sit here and degrade Laurie Strode. As mm. a horror fan, I love her. But Laurie Strode makes movie decisions she is mm-hmm. a a character who drops the knife next to michael myers because the plot calls for her to do it so that she can end up helpless again she got hit in the leg and she drops the knife yes and, and then she runs away on top of that the first halloween movie consists of laurie strode running around door to door like please help and just screaming for like 30 minutes yeah and that's that's like the opposite of what i love about sydney i think that laurie as she goes on obviously that's her growth as a character but Sydney from the first movie is just like, no, man, these horror movie girls are stupid. 
They're running for upstairs when they should be running for the door. They're always dumb and they're just meant to be pieces of meat who die. Mm-hmm. And like Sydney is a a real person with real emotions, and she she thinks like a person. Like in in these horrifying situations against Ghostface, she always does the thing that I think most people would would think to do themselves. Yeah, you know, like she's always trying to go for the door or trying to beat the killer up or unmask the killer. She's never fucking around on some stupid shit unless like she's genuinely caught in a situation where she has to be. You yeah, know? exactly. Or unless she's in Scream 3, which is just a poorly written movie and that's why Sydney is stupid in that movie. But I, I think she is just such a, a strong, powerful character and easily the most uh, inspirational and my favorite horror character ever. Yeah, she's a very good final girl. I, I like her a lot. Like, for the... I agree with everything you said. The fact she makes actual decisions. I hate when characters are like, oh, no, this door's locked. Let me fumble with it for five minutes and then go to the next one. It's yeah. Like, oh, the door is clearly locked. Move on. Sydney shakes the door, feels it's locked, runs to the next one. Exactly. Yeah. And, I like, I just love that even though she's in a franchise that's constantly making fun of horror, she doesn't feel like she's ever like part of that joke you know yeah. like she really feels like a strong character who exists in a separate franchise you, you know <laughs> which is why i love her so much i just think that nev campbell plays that character with such a resilience and um this is one thing i just really wanted to touch on is i love that the scream franchise acknowledges her trauma mm-hmm. as the movies go on rather than just you know take sydney and put her in a new scenario to be chased by ghostface she grows and she changes. And like in Scream 2, she's just trying to get her life back on track and she's clearly fucked up by it. Scream 3, she's trying to take what's happened to her and she's working as a, a woman's crisis on a woman's crisis line. Yep. And then in Scream 4, she writes a book about her past. So I, I love that she moves forward and grows from her trauma rather than just ending up in rinse and repeat scenarios. Yeah. You know, I think she's a fantastic character. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, final thing I want to talk about the original Scream, because we're going to have to skim through two and three and four. Yeah, we've hit 25 minutes, and we've okay. only covered the first <laughs> yeah. movie. I had to talk about this one a bit more. I want to talk about the third act, the killer reveal, Billy and Stu. Mm. What do you think of uh, of the Billy and Stu reveal? So good. I saw Billy miles away. Billy is so fucking creepy. Oh, yeah. He is like, he's like, hey, Sydney, why are you afraid of me? Why would you ever be afraid of me? I will love you forever. And I'm like, you back the fuck up, man. Yeah, you're you are weird. clearly the killer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's like the combo of the two, the two killers as well. Very good. Very good subversion, I think, because you usually expect one. Mm-hmm. Um, so having two is really cool. And having them both be people from the friend group. Because um, throughout the entire movie, I was like, oh, it's got to be one of them. No, it's two of them. Yeah. Um. And so I, I love this reveal. I think that uh, Matthew Lillard goes crazy. Crazy, man. He's like... In, he's like nuts. He's like frothing at the mouth and like, really, he's like spitting everywhere. It's he's like, like nasty. surprise, Sydney. Yeah. Crazy. Um. But yeah, I, I love this reveal. I think these two make for such cool killers because... Um, for one, they're just, both of them are, both of the characters in this final act are fully unhinged. They're, they think their plan is foolproof. They think they have reached the end and everything is going to work out for them. And so they're so giddy with murder and joy Mm -hmm. that they're just like so crazy. Um, and also just like 
the fact that they decide to stab each other to make it seem like they fought him off instead of just like, I don't know, maybe just cutting each other's arm. Yeah. Like they literally Stu full on stabs um, Billy and Billy does the same back to Stu. Like I think Billy like, stabs get- Stu and Stu's like, ow man, that hurt. And then <laughs> Stu does it back even harder. Harder, yeah. I'm like guys. Someone's going to kill someone. Someone, one of them gets stabbed like four times, I think. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's kind of ridiculous the amount that they go through because they're so hyped off of just adrenaline. Um, but yeah, the, this final act is really cool. I love it. Mm-hmm. I think the reveal for Billy and Stu is so great because Billy is obviously the killer of the whole movie. Yeah. But he's so obviously the killer that your brain does this little thing where it's like, Billy's not the killer. Yeah, this, can't is, be the this killer. is a subversion. It's somebody yeah. else. And I just think that the, the way they do that is so clever. Um, and on top of that, their motive to me is really interesting mm. where their, their whole plan is to just say, you know, movies didn't make it. The psychos made us more creative. Yeah. But the, the whole plan is to blame it on the horror movies and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just really interesting and really funny for the time that this was set. Yeah. Um, Billy and Stewart is absolutely nuts. I think Skeet Ulrich is playing such a menace and Matthew Lord is playing the camp. It's literally like the 50 50 where Stu is all uh goofball mm-hmm. and Billy's all fear factor, you know? Well, cause, cause the thing is like, Billy's got the motive from uh, his dad leaving him because of, uh, oh, Sydney. Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Sorry. Um, it's like, Oh, my dad left me because of Sydney's mom. So getting the revenge in that way. Yes. Um, and then Stu is just there because he's like the horror movies. Yeah. I got their motive wrong. That's the second movie's motive. Their motive is just like, we're just going to do it for fun. Well, I believe, I believe Stu does say the, the movies made us do it. That's their kind of yeah uh, thing as well. Um, but yeah, Billy is kind of the main motive here. He is the reason why all of this is happening. And Stu's just kind of along for the ride. Stu's just doing it because Billy was like, let's kill people. Billy's like, like, yeah, I have, I have revenge. I want to get revenge. Um, and so, yeah, their, their motive is really good. I, I like it. I find it funny that they're also like the movies made us do it. Yeah. Cause that's like the argument you hear from every single parent where they're like, violent video games will make my kid be antisocial. And it's like, no, that's on you. Sorry. Yeah. yeah no, absolutely. <laughs> There's so many other things I could say about this original screen movie. I could probably do a whole episode on it. Yeah. But we're going to have to get to the other movies. So we will, mm-hmm. we will wrap it here. Um, even though I could talk endlessly about the first one, <laughs> but what, what would you rate scream one scream one? It gets 4.5 out of five for me. Nice. I, I won't give it the five out of five just because, um, I, I do have like the thing about me with horror movies is I'm not the biggest fan of them in the first place. So I don't get, I don't really get scared by horror movies these days because I expect to get scared. And so I don't get scared. It's right. my own fault. <laughs> yeah. Um, a mess uh, of your own making. Exactly. But this is such a good movie, and it's it's very... I, I liked it a lot, so I'll give it the 4.5. This is a, a 5 for me. Mm. If, I feel like if anybody knows me in my personal life, they've heard me talk about this movie an annoying amount. Um, I've just rewatched it so many times. I've seen it in theaters now, and I just love it, man. I just think this is like probably my all-time favorite horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a perfect movie to me. I could nitpick, but I don't care to. I love yeah. it. Uh, so on to Scream 2, which is not... A perfect movie. Nope. Um, very much so a, a mess, indeed. Mm-hmm. But I do love this movie. In fact, if we're going to rank uh, the movies at the ending of the franchise, or at the ending of this episode, and 
that's pretty scream two is pretty high for me i actually really really like it but admittedly it is a two-hour movie and it's it's a mess you know like that runtime isn't used effectively i feel like it kind of meanders quite a bit but this one is pretty much just scream one in college yeah sid goes off to college now and uh the killer's back yeah more murders start up and she's kind of stuck in the same scenario she was uh, in high school Mm -hmm. but yeah this movie has a lot of reasons it's such a mess um and that's mainly due to production issues and script changes and there was a plan for a killer who was going to be uh, Liv Schreiber's character, Cotton Weary, which, mm-hmm. if you've seen the movie, is what the movie's building to the yeah, entire time. 100%. Uh, so that got leaked, and they were like, oh, well, we can't make a whodunit murder mystery slasher with the, everybody knowing that it's Liv Schreiber. So we have to change the killer. So they changed it from the very set-up Cotton Weary to Sydney's roommate, uh, who dies during the car scene uh, in the second or third act. Mm-hmm. And, you know... That also would have been a pretty lame reveal. Yeah. I don't really feel like there was any setup there. That got leaked as well. So they ended up having to change it again, and they made it Timothy Oliphant's character, Mickey, who was in, like, two film classes in the first act of the movie. Yeah, he's just—but he is part of their friend group, but he is, he is like, the outcast. Yeah, and he doesn't—they didn't give him enough screen time. No, not at all. Like, if they wanted to do that dude in the friend group who you weren't expecting like they did with Stu, mm-hmm. you needed to give him screen time and make him an actual character. Because the only thing he really says is, like, I like Godfather, too. And everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then all of a sudden, he's just back at the end of the movie as the killer. But I, I think beyond the production issues and the mess of a script, I do think that there's a charm here. Mm-hmm. And I think that the way that the movie pokes fun at typical uh, slasher sequels and makes fun of the fact that, yeah, this is the same movie, but we're doing it good. It's a good same yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the, the way they play with that is, is pretty fun. But what did you think of Scream 2? Um, honestly, for me, Scream 2 is kind of forgettable. Um, yeah, fair. It is. I, I do vividly remember the opening scene. That's the one in the movie theater. Yes. Um, and it's it's got, oh, I can't even remember his name, but he's on Whose Line Is It Anyway. Um, and he's a fantastic singer. Uh, but anywho... I the opening is very fun where the murder happens in a movie theater in the middle it. of the movie and she's literally like bleeding out as she walks down the aisles and everyone's like yeah yeah I don't think anyone would ever be like that in a movie theater <laughs> I understand that it's for a horror movie and everyone was dressed up and they all had glowy knives and whatever and so they're like it's part of the thing yeah but if someone's like crawling down the aisle barely moving and i see the blood trails coming out of them i think you can kind of tell that they're dying i don't know if this is a publicity stunt yeah yeah um but no it's it's kind of forgettable but at the same time i wish cotton was the killer because he's so creepy and weird and it's so fitting it would have worked so well so sad that it got leaked like that it's a much better ending yeah um but i mean it's not a bad movie um it's still a like a good scream movie and i i agree with you when i like when you said that you uh like the fact that they're literally like this is a sequel and we're gonna make fun of horror sequels but we're gonna do a good horror sequel and they do they do a decent job at a horror sequel Mm -hmm. without making it feel stale um so it is in my opinion a good movie but yeah, the payoff at the end with the killers, eh. It's not worth the runtime. It's weak. Yeah, I know. Because um, it's, it's, I think you just mentioned the just one m- friend, yeah. but it's also Billy's mom. Mm-hmm. Um, f- Billy from the first movie, his mom comes back at the very end and is like, 
Ha ha, Sydney, you killed my son. I just want revenge. You killed my son, who murdered a bunch of people. I'm going to kill you now. Yeah. And she's like, oh, okay. It's really kind of goofy, especially because um, Billy's mom is only there in the background as like a news reporter, like three times throughout the movie. Yeah. And then Gail says, but I knew you. I knew what you looked like. I seen you in pictures. And she's like, you'd be surprised what 60 pounds of weight loss can do. I'm like, I don't know. I yeah. don't know about that one. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think you'd be able to tell what someone's face looks like yeah. still. Like, I feel like you'd still recognize them. Also, can I also say that in this movie, Gail is even worse. <laughs> yeah. And I, not even worse, but she's way more of a horrible person to Billy's mom, the reporter. Um, like, I vividly remember a scene where she's like, Billy's mom's just like, I'm a huge fan. I love all your work. She's like, and then Gail goes, yeah, well, if you're a huge fan, you would get the fuck out of my face and you would do your own shit and you'll never amount to what I am because I'm a fucking God. I eat reporters like you for breakfast. I'm like, Jesus, Gail. Like, settle down, Gail. Relax. Yeah. I, I definitely do think that um, the killer reveal in this movie is really lame. It's whack. Like, really, really lame. That being said, the whole climax in the in the auditorium very cool very I did, cool i did like the how they used the set from the play yeah uh that sid sydney was in um it, it is very cool how they use that in the final act it does make it a little more epic yeah um and then cotton also coming in at the end being and shooting them and then being like wait we can make a movie out of this wait we can make some money off of this i'm like jesus cotton get out please <laughs> yes cotton's like all right i'm already writing the script yeah they were like they were like oh cotton can't be the killer now uh uh let's just make him a sleazebag who wants money yeah that's true they did have to downgrade him some way yeah uh but i, I think for me the things about this movie that really work is i love uh, the continuation of sydney's story which mm -hmm. I, I feel like actually works really well you feel the pain and the impact of what happened in the first movie on her. But you also sense that she's not somebody who wants to like, let this like dominate and control her entire life. She wants to move on and be happy with her new boyfriend and, and yeah. go to college. Like clearly she's, she's going to college. She's trying to start a new life. She's trying to move on from this thing and it keeps coming back. And so like we were talking about from scream one, the thing I like about Sydney that is not like all the other final, final girls in horror is that she would much rather end it here and now than run away. Yeah. Um, and so she, I really do like that about her character. And so she's trying to overcome it and not run away from it. And that's like a persistent thing throughout her arc in, exactly. in every movie. Um, I really loved Jerry O'Connell as Derek, Sydney's boyfriend in this movie. Oh, he yeah. Is, he is such a, a, a nice man. Like, he has a whole scene dedicated to him just dancing on tables and singing about how much he loves Sydney. Yeah. Uh, they kind of try and do this red herring thing where they make you be like, oh, is he the killer? I'm like, nah, there's no way it's your boyfriend twice mm -hmm. in a row. But I feel like he's a fun character. And yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't have too much to go on and on about this movie. But I did always love this one. Like, Also, real quick, shout out to my man Dewey, who got stabbed in the first movie, horribly crippled, but is still a cop. Yeah. And is still out here doing his job to protect. And he gets messed up in this movie, he too. He does. He gets really messed up. He, he's, he's really limping in this movie, too. Like, you can clearly see the... Uh, effects from the first movie mm -hmm. and what it's done to Dewey. Um, I also really quickly want to mention about this movie, and this is a persistent thing that happens in the screen movies that I find hilarious for some reason. Every single time Gail and Dewey see each other, every time this happens, Gail is always like, she sees Dewey, there's this weird pause, and she goes, 
Dewey, I didn't expect to see you here. And I'm like, it's a murder scene. He's a cop. He's a cop. What did you expect? Yeah. They, um, but it happens in every single movie. And even in the new one, too. And I was going to point that out. Even when they're married. Like, they're they're married in the fourth one. And still. They interact so weird. They interact so weirdly. There's so much sexual tension. And every single time, Dewey's like... Oh, you're here for more material for your books, I bet. He always flames her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, justified. Yeah. Um, another thing about Scream 2 that I really love, though, is the fact that Dewey and Gale are together for most of the runtime. Yeah. I feel like as the Scream movies go on, you get less of that. You know, they all kind of go off and do their own plots, or their screen time is separated into different plots, and they're not together as much. Mm-hmm. But I love that Scream 2 is just like Dewey and Gale... And then you have Sydney and Randy together a lot, and yeah. they're just trying to solve this mystery. And I love the college setting. I don't have too much to go on about, but I just feel like this movie, it is charming. And I think that it works a lot better than some of the other ones because it has that, it keeps that tone and that energy yeah. from the first movie perfectly. And, you know, the script is kind of bland at times, but I think the characters' plots and the, the performances from the main three are enough to make this movie pretty high up on my list and we also got just gotta say r.i.p randy yeah man he dies in this one and he is such a good character and it is such a waste your guys's reaction was really funny when randy died literally he died and i was like what no You're come like, on what? what am i supposed to do now just yeah i was, keep watching with I was randy? like he's my one of my favorite characters in this franchise and you just murdered him i know it is an l to lose randy so so uh well i guess it's not early it is on the second movie but I don't know. He was a great character. He it is a bummer to see him go. Um, that gives us to that leads us to Scream Three. Really quick, what do you rate? Oh, Scream, Scream 2? Two gets a probably like a three and a half. Okay, yeah. Give Scream Two a three and a half because it is a little long, and the ending kind of does not pay off. It fizzles out a bit. And though there are some good kills and all this stuff, and oh my god, yeah, the cop going through the pole, yeah, is amazing. There are some good kills, but. Yeah, it's it's just not the greatest sequel. And that's not on it. That is on leaks. Yeah, I think I'd give it a four. Just because I do have some nostalgia and uh, personal stuff with this one. But I can admit that it's a, a pretty flawed movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we're on to Scream 3. Scream 3 was a movie. <laughs> Next, Scream 4. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, we won't spend much time on Scream 3 because I'm not going to lie. Scream 3 is the only movie in the Scream franchise that I kind of flat out don't really like. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because I feel like you can really feel the absence of Kevin Williamson, the guy who wrote Scream 1, 2, and 4. Um, and it just feels like it's written by a different person, and that's because it is. It immediately kind of loses the tone, um, and that careful tightrope that these movies have walked to be scary and funny, Scream 3 is a comedy. Yeah. Um, and that's due to the fact that I think it was after the Columbine shooting. Oh. Um, they were scared to release a movie that was so joyful about being violent right that was a big thing a lot of movies had that happen after the combine shooting but this scream three they were like okay we need to make this comedy Mm -hmm. and so like there was a tonal kind of redirection due to that and i honestly think scream three has more in line with the scary movie (laughs) movies than it does with the scream franchise um it's very goofy and I know you didn't like it. You didn't even watch I, I get, it. I watched 30 minutes of it, and I gave up. I, I, <laughs> because here's what happened. I saw Cotton Die at the very beginning, and I was like, what? And then uh, I saw the interaction between Gale and Dewey again, where Gale's like, Dewey, 
No. What are you doing here? That, that made you leave. <laughs> and I was like, oh, goodness. And then I saw like them start to get into the stabby, like some of the horror stuff where it's like, oh, man, they're getting killed. And I was like, okay, that's enough. I can't do any more of this. Because I was sitting in my room by myself, and I was just like, yeah, no. This is not worth my time. Yeah. I think... I was like, the ending is they figure out somebody in the cast killed a bunch of people and that's it and i was like cool yeah for how uh boring the killer reveal is in two at least they're characters who are in the movie and like it's not entirely reliant on a complete retcon you know what i mean yeah. like uh scream three is is just a mess and like we don't really have to say anything else about it aside from i think there are some things that work like the hollywood stuff and the whole stuff with stab three you know like the movie within the movie stuff is kind of fun um and, and, you know, meta how Scream has always been. But I just feel like, you know, Gail's off with a random character, mm-hmm. Parker Posey, who is really funny, but she is a random character who they just introduced in Scream 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just feel like, I don't know, man. It kind of just becomes what it's making fun of. Sydney's not in this movie until like 45 minutes in, which is stupid, and I don't want that at all. Um, and overall, it's just, it's super mid. And yeah. the killer reveal is awful. I'm going to get into it really quickly. Essentially, at the ending of Scream 3, it is revealed that the killer was the director of Stab 3. His name is Roman. And he was Sydney's long-lost brother. Just awful. I hate that sentence, you know? Yeah, that's rough. But he's her long-lost brother. Um, Sydney's mom had him when she was working in Hollywood. I believe she was sexually assaulted by some sleazy executive. Uh, which is weird to have that in a movie produced by Harvey Weinstein. But anyways, anyways, not great. Um, and so he he was given away by Sydney's mom, and then she raised Sydney. So he hates her because of that. That's a bad retcon to have Sydney's long lost brother. It's even worse because he's like, I told Billy, and I'm the reason that Billy is a killer, and I'm the reason that Stu wanted to kill people. Roman, you little weirdo, how dare you retcon and take credit for the best killers in this franchise? Yeah, that's I hate upsetting. it. So we're not going to talk about Scream 3 anymore, other than the fact that it doesn't really work for me. There's some fun ideas there. If you like the franchise, it's still worth a watch, but it's like a two and a half star. Yeah, with the 30 minutes I watch, I give it a maybe even like a one and a half. Damn. I don't know. Maybe yeah. a two. Scream 3 is not good. So we're going to move on. We're going to talk. Scream 4. Scream 4. We're catching up. We're getting there. Uh, Scream 4 is a very clever way to bring this franchise back after, I believe it was an 11-year absence since they made one. Uh, it pokes fun at Hollywood's, you know, need for increased gore and the whole uh, saw phase that Hollywood was in. This really violent, like torture porn phase that Hollywood was in, and I think it pokes fun at that in a really, really fun way. But what did you think of, of Scream Four? Uh, Scream Four was good. Um, I uh, I thought it was funny uh, how they did the double fake out at the very beginning, where it's like that it's was actually intro. the opening of a stab movie. I'm not gonna lie, it did. When it got to the final, final girls, I was kind of like out of it at that point. It's very meta. Because it's no longer scary at all. No, it's like a comedic intro. It's it's, sure. it's a comedic intro completely. Um, but even that, even though it was, it was still good. Um, and also, Allison Brie is in this movie. Absolutely love to see Allison Brie anywhere. Is she really? She's uh, she's the CEO or the the other the person that's going around with Sydney. Uh, while she's promoting her book. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's Allison Brie. Um, Does she die? Yeah. She dies in the car park. Oh, okay. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, no, this is a this is a very good movie. I like how Sydney has moved on at this point and is using her trauma that continues to happen over and over again to actually make a living and make some money off of it. Um, go girl! Like honestly, it's totally fine. Um, so it's cool to see that. Uh, we also get um, uh, Gail and Dewey are now married. Yeah. Uh, which is is so cute to see. Um, Weirdly enough, Courtney Cox and David Arquette were divorcing while this movie released. Awkward. That's a little awkward. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a good movie. I like how they introduce. Um, I can't remember the girl cop's name, but the one that's side oh, by Judy side. Hicks, yeah. Yes, um, she, I think she's a good addition. Um, just to add a little bit more tension into because the all the tension was lost between the Gale and. Um, Dewey draw like sexual tension, so they add in a little more uh, another person to add that sexual tension, spice it up a little bit. I like that. Um, but overall, very good movie. I like it. I like to see Dewey being a sheriff now, um, and also the killer reveal at the end is pretty cool. It's a great killer reveal. I will say though, admittedly, I sadly guessed how the movie was gonna end. I didn't guess the killer. I did guess how it was gonna end. Really. I, cause they, there's one point in it where they mention that, um, cause there's the barn scene and then the movie guys are like, ah, oh, this is the killer in his new movie. He's not going to make the finale happen at a party. He's going to subvert it. And then I was like, oh, they're going to do the same thing in this. The party is a fake out for the finale. They're mm -hmm. not going to catch him at the party. And it's. Instead, and I even knew at that point too, because he says that after the party, he's like, it's going to be a fake out. So obviously they're not going to do it in a house like they did in the first one. It's got to be somewhere else. Yeah. So then they went to the hospital and I was like, there it is. Here it is. Um, Because I was like, no, she's not, she's not done for. This is not the end in the hospital. It's, some shit's going to happen. And it did. Yeah. Um, so I sadly did guess that. I will say it is a little bit predictable. Scream Four, yeah. In the sense of, in the sense that it had been a while since any Scream movies had come out, um, and so it does follow a very similar formula um, of the original Scream movies, other than that subverted ending, um, and it also lays it out for you. Uh, the movie does the classic Scream thing that I do, I will say I do enjoy, that Scream makes fun of horror movies, but I feel like in this one, they lay it out a bit too much, and it lays out a lot of the stuff that happens in the movie for you. So if you're paying attention to what the characters are saying, you can kind of see where it's going. Um, so that was one thing that I had slight trouble with because I was guessing a lot of stuff that was happening or seeing it coming at least. Yeah. Um, but I still did enjoy it. It's still a very good movie. And uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I, I do think you're right about it being a little bit predictable at times. Because... Yeah, sorry, there's one more thing I'll No, mention. go ahead, go ahead. The, this thing that really got me was when there's the cops having that conversation in the car talking about how, like, all oh, the cops who guard the house are always the one who die. And then they're like, don't say, uh, I'll be right back because he won't come back. He's like, ah. And then he tricks him over the radio. Uh, but then they do end up dying. Um, anyways, also, coolest kill in the movie. Uh, uh, Ghostface sticking a knife through the cop's 
forehead. Oh, yeah, that's a nasty one. That is insane. That would never work. And he would never be able to walk out of the car after that. <laughs> no, no, that would put him down right He's there. He's done in that second, yeah. but still. But it looks cool. It looks really cool. Um, yeah, this is definitely the most violent, I would say. I, I think maybe we can go back and forth on if five ups the ante of four. But I think... At least, you think four is the most violent? I think four is the most violent. I think I agree with you. Because they were clearly trying to be like, we're like Saw. Yeah. You know, like now we're like these violent movies that you love. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I think five does actually have some pretty gnarly kills. But I do think four is the most consistently, like, outrageously bloody and, like, violent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with you. I think Scream 4, I, I do love the killer reveal. Let's let's get to that really quickly. Um, maybe we'll backtrack, but whatever. I, I think that Emma Roberts' character, Jill... She is Sydney's cousin, and she wants to kill Sydney and do her own killing spree because she wants to be famous. She's sick of listening to Sydney's story and growing up with Sydney being this very famous and very popular person. She wants that. So she wants to essentially recenter the narr- narrative where this murder spree happened, everyone else died, she survived, and now she's next generation Sydney Prescott. So she can have mm-hmm. that fame and do whatever she wants with it. Um, I think that this motive in 2011 is really interesting. Because we're living in a day and age now that's, like, so internet-obsessed and, like, so social media, like, I want to be famous-obsessed. Mm-hmm. And in 2011, the motive of, like, I want to be famous and I want to take what you have. And, like, not that, you know, wanting to be famous in 2011 was some groundbreaking concept. <laughs> but I'm just saying I think the it's it's she's specifically seeking that viral fame. That, like, everyone talking about her and knowing her name and walking by her and, like, oh, that's Jill, you know? Mm. And I think that that's really interesting is to, like, it's essentially like the Scream movie for the TikToker's generation made before the TikToker generation. I I have a slight counterpoint to that, actually, now that I think about sure, it. Sure, yeah. I feel like it's less about the viral fame, and it's more of the the comparison of where Sydney is at now in the Scream movies. Because think about it. Sydney has gone through all this stuff, and now she's making lots of money selling her book around the country. Sydney is profiting off of this horrible stuff that's happened to her. So it's like... Her cousin sees that, sees the profit and the publicity that she gets throughout her entire life and just wants a piece of that pie. Mm-hmm. Less of like, um, I want to be viral on the internet and more of like, I just want the fame and money and attention you have. Because this movie centers around a lot of that where executives are trying, Alison Bree's character is trying to get her to continue the book tour even though there's murders happening here. Um, and like people are trying to profit off of her fame, um, and make money off of it. Like all the reporters do as well and all this stuff. And so I think it's, it's partially just another example of people profiting off of this horrible thing, not understanding fully what Sid has gone through to get to this point. Yeah. I agree with that. That's Mm -hmm. solid. That's a solid counterpoint to that. I, I'm not saying that it's not all about viral fame because it, it is, but also partially. But it's also, yeah, it's also that counterpoint of look at all the fame Sid has at this point, um, and like see the comparison, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I just think Emma Roberts is so great in this finale. I know a lot of people have said like she's not a very good actress or whatever. Um, I think she nails what she has to do in this specific movie. I think mm. we're if we want to talk about Emma Roberts in general, it's a different conversation. But her here is she's so manic and she's just like like she's throwing herself on the tables and like setting the knife up against the wall and like pushing her shoulder into it like just really wild shit and i just feel like her performance is super unhinged and 
I think the first time the killer reveal for me had like gave me the same energy that like Billy and Stu were able to give, you know, like really? that. Yeah. And like, she's playing a very different type of character, but I feel like she was the first one since the first scream movie to like completely nail how insane and almost like comedically stupid you have to act in a scream finale. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think that she was great and she's got, um, I think his name is Rory Culkin and he, that's, he's her, her number two. Yeah. Essentially his motive is, I want to pretend I was the Randy. I want to be the Randy who gets the girl is what he says. Yeah. Um, and then Jill proceeds to just shoot him in the head. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like Jill is a great killer. I disagree. Yeah, um, that's fair. That She's divisive. I've heard a lot of people don't like her. Here's the thing about her that I didn't like. Um, there is no, there is no like, she's not hinted at all to be the killer. She's actually, I noticed she was barely in the movie unless they were in that house, that specific house, mm. like her own house. Um, yeah, I, I felt like the reveal for her didn't make as much sense to me until she kind of explains her motive and everything. Um, and I think her performance, I would say it is manic, um, and it is kind of crazy, but I just don't feel intimidated by her. Yeah, that's fair. That's I don't a feel when I saw Billy and Stu, I see the insanity in their eyes and it's not that they're men that they're intimidating and that she's a woman and she's not intimidating. It's just that I, when, when it came to Billy and Stu, I see the insanity in their eyes and the lengths they've gone through. When it came to her, I didn't understand the lengths she had gone through because she, I felt like she wasn't in the movie that she much. She was explaining it all to you. Like as at the end, yeah. Like she's like, "This is all the stuff that I did." I'm like, "Cool, but please do show me how that affects you as a person, other than making you kind of crazy." Yeah, I I will say I agree with you in regards to like I'm not saying she's nearly as good as Billy or Stu. I'm just saying she was kind of that first one to tap into like that type of performance. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do think Billy and Stu are unbeatable. I think they can make another ten Scream movies. And even if they make another Scream movie better than the first Scream movie, which is never happening, they can't top Billy and Stu. No. Um, but I just feel like she she brought something to it. And I think having it be so personal with Sid, where it's her, her young cousin, you know, like yeah. a life that she watched grow up and I, then come for, I think is kind of interesting. Yeah, I guess I guess my thing about why she felt less intimidating was because she was playing that young cousin character. Yeah. And she just very much felt like... Um, Sydney was constantly protecting her. Yeah. And then to have them face off, I was like, I was like, I know Sydney's going to win in this. And it's not just because I know there's another movie after this. Yeah. That she's in. That's fair. Um, random question. What does Gail do in this movie? I don't remember. I genuinely don't remember. Oh, Gail is super important in this movie because, um, her, like Dewey is the sheriff now. And so, um, Dewey has a reputation to uphold and she can't, he can't have his wife, Gail Weathers, just running along with him on the oh, yes. murders, but she wants to because she helps solve the other ones. Um, and she kills Billy in the first one. Um, and so, uh, she ends up pairing up with the two movie dudes, uh, oh. the guy with the camera and the other killer. I remember this now. Um, and also I will say Gail is stupid in this movie. Oh, I forgot I wanted to mention this. Gail is so dumb in this movie because, A, she reverts back to her character entirely. She is married to Dewey now and is trying to make a new life, but literally the first interaction she has with uh, Alice and Brie, she, she's like, 
you fucking suck. Shut the fuck up, you little bitch. Walks away and is like, I still got it. I'm like, yeah, you're still an asshole. You're still Congratulations. Mean. Yeah. Um, but also, she her whole thing in this movie is that she's working with um, these kids from a cinema club who are in love with stab movies. And so they explain to her all the rules of these stab movies and everything and all the rules of the horror movies. And as a person who's gone through this multiple times, you'd think she has some knowledge about this stuff. She falls for all the stupid things. Yeah. In the barn scene, she sets up a bunch of cameras to try and catch the killer. The killer knocks down all the cameras. So she goes back in to try and set them up again. She goes up to one of them picks it up as slowly as humanly possible, looks into it, and is standing there. It, the, the shot is very cool because she's holding the camera backwards and she's standing there, and we see the killer behind her through the camera. Um, but it's so dumb because yeah. she doesn't turn around at all. She's just There's a whole crowd of kids watching this first stab movie, which is actually the first screen movie because it's the opening shot from the first screen movie that's playing on the thing. Um uh, and so she, but she does the stupid thing where she doesn't look behind her. She's just looking around in this tiny upper portion when there's literally a set of stairs and a door behind her and nothing else in front of her. The barn scene is a bit weird in regards to how Gail's character behaves. I do remember that scene very vividly. And it's like, uh, I think there was actually plans to kill Gail in the barn scene. Well, uh, she almost dies. She almost does die. Yeah. She's yeah. in the hospital for like the last third act of the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just had to ask about what Gail was doing because I have this is the one movie where there are a couple blind spots for me. I haven't seen Scream Four in a while. Mm-hmm. I meant to rewatch it prior to Scream Five, but just uh, totally missed the mark on that. But it's the only one where there's a couple blind spots for me. But mm-hmm. what did you think right before we rate and move on? What did you think of the Hayden Panettiere's character Kirby? She's like this beloved oh, fan yeah, favorite great. character. Yeah, she's wonderful. She's awesome. Um, I I very much think that it's it's a good idea to add. A character like that who is a part of the uh the group of girls who are suspected to just get killed off that's a little more tough and uh likes these horror movies and is knows the the thing all the things about them and she, yeah she just feels like a good addition because uh i think it's just a subversion of the classic like blonde girl is ditzy and all this stuff and mm-hmm. gets killed like she's she's one of the boys she's smart she knows all about these movies she can absolutely hang exactly mm-hmm. an icon i love the scene where the killer is just like in what movie and then she just names every horror movie ever made yeah she's like come on come on she's like it's got to be one of those right and the killer's just like uh yeah yeah <laughs> uh anyways what would you rate scream for scream four gets a nice solid uh I, honestly i think scream four gets a good four from me yeah, Scream 4 is a 4 for me as well. Um, actually, yeah, no, yeah, I think Scream 4 gets a good 4 for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit it's a bit uh, predictable, but still, it's a lot of fun, and they do lean on those classic Scream tropes that you love to see, like explaining the movie as it happens and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and I love the barn scene where it's just, I wish this happens. This never happens in real life. I don't think this exists. Unless you go to, like, random pop-up movies. Like, me and Hayden went to go see... Uh, um uh what was it uh, rocky horror rocky picture horror show picture, yes um 
and you get those diehard fans who are there dressed up and everything and they love every moment of it and they get up to dance uh, to the time warp and all this stuff. But in this movie, you've got a bunch of kids in a barn who are going to watch all of the Stab movies, all eight of the Stab movies. Like, honestly, my crowd would love this. And they're cheering. Like, Drew Barrymore is standing up there, takes off her clothes to get in the shower, and all the boys are like, woo, yeah, woo. It's hilarious, and so this doesn't happen as much these days, but oh man, that crowd was alive. Amazing crowd. Dude, the crowd, the crowds in Scream movies are like what the crowd for Avengers Endgame was like. For every movie, Facts. though. For every movie. They like yes. they react to a teenage girl getting murdered the same way I reacted to Iron Man snapping, snapping the gauntlet. No, no, they react to teenagers getting murdered in the same way that I reacted when Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield showed up in Spider-Man No Way Home. For real. I was like, yeah! Just like lose their damn minds. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, there's... Uh, only other thing I wanted to mention about Scream 4, I already rated it. I totally forgot about this. This movie looks weird. There's this weird color grading. Oh, yeah. I just literally, I don't want to talk about it any longer, but I just wanted to mention. They just turn up the brightness a little too much. They just, I don't know why they did it. It's like the weirdest creative choice. In in any setting that they're in like daylight or like it's light, everyone's glowing like Edward Cullen from Twilight and they're all like bright white. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, an ugly choice that hampers an otherwise great movie. But on that note. We are now caught up. It is now modern day. It's 2022. It is. And we're seeing Scream 5. Scream 5. Or. Uh, or Scream. Scream. Yeah. As, as many are calling it and as the movie is actually called. Which I think is so fitting because there's the there's the uh, classic horror thing these days I find where they the new movies that are like kind of reboots, they just like Halloween. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. And so I almost feel like they're making fun of it in a, a way. Absolutely. Yeah. That was definitely the intention. It's definitely intentionally making fun of stuff like that because they also talk about it once when they see the Stab movie because it's not Stab eight it's stab yeah or whatever it's like the the reboot that they're on yeah exactly um what did you think of of scream scream five in my opinion was the best scream movie since the first one absolutely agree with you um it does a really good job at since we haven't seen these characters in a long time it's less focused on the main trio of sydney and gail and dewey and it's uh kind of got its own thing going on which i really enjoyed um they clearly have a, a they have a great cast going on here too. There's a lot of young actors that I love to see in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the future of Hollywood is all in this movie. It's crazy. Yeah, you got some pretty great actors. Uh, I I had my issues with the main uh, actress, and I just have my issues with her in general. I even think in the, in the Heights, even in the Heights, I think she has the worst facial expression I've ever seen in any actress I think in my right. life. I think I, I have this issue. With her she well. is so bland. And there's this thing about uh, TV acting compared to uh, play acting or theater acting, which we're talking about right now in our, our in my acting class, where when you're on camera, you're not um expressing through your face you are thinking the emotion so that it comes through more subtly Mm -hmm. um in these i feel like she's not even doing that i feel like she's just reciting her lines and that's it yeah um which is upsetting because she is the main character um but yeah that's that's kind of my only issue with this movie really i i love to see the main three back again um i think it's a amazing fresh start to or fresh movie to uh otherwise thought to be done for series Mm -hmm. um 
and yeah, I think it's also just a great homage to Wes Craven's like original movies, mm-hmm. like the original Scream. It's it's like you you had mentioned to me that it's directed by super fans of the Scream movies, and that's how it should be done. These people understand what the fans are looking for and what these movies mean to people, and so they do such a good job at just like really hitting all those points that I expect to see in a Scream movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I did really enjoy it. And I think it's the best movie since the first one. I feel the same way. Yeah. It's directed by, uh, Matt Bettelini open and Tyler Gillett. They are, they go by the name, like the duo name, uh, radio silence, I believe mm-hmm. is what they go by. And yeah, they are, they grew up massive fans of the scream franchise and like all of them. And so it's, it's crazy. That's how you should do it. You should give people who love this stuff, the, 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 the keys to it, you know? Yes. But I, Absolutely in agreement. I think that this is the best screen movie since the first and for it to hit that for me, like it really had to check a lot of boxes, you know, and I think mm-hmm. that it, it checks all the boxes. It's honoring Wes Craven's legacy. It's telling a new story while also connecting to the familiar. Uh, the meta horror commentary is just like very effective for me as, as someone who loves the A24 stuff and the quote unquote elevated horror as people have been calling it these days it's so Mm -hmm. fun to have the screen movies make fun of me about that it's basically just like all you a24 bitches you need to go back to slasher movies that's the classic the babadook yeah (laughs) that was good but uh yeah man i think that this new cast is great aside from uh melissa barrera who i don't feel takes away from the movie no but when you know when she's filling in the shoes of nev campbell who is so incredible and on top of that She's acting alongside Jenna Ortega, who is one of my favorite up-and-coming actresses. Mm-hmm. Um, it it kind of stands out that she's not up to par. Also, it's upsetting because Nev Campbell is here in this movie for not even that long, and she outshines her, in my opinion. I agree, yeah. Um, which is very upsetting. Yeah. Um, so who are like the standout characters from the new cast for you? Um, huh. The standout characters from the new cast, definitely... Um, the main character's little sister. Yeah. I'm going to warn you right now. I can't remember any of their names. That's okay. So we're Her going, name's Tara. Tara, right. We got Tara. Tara is definitely one of my favorites in this movie. Um, I love the twins. The twins are very good uh, characters to have in there. One playing the jock, one playing the movie, the horror movie nerd. Mm-hmm. Uh, Huey from The Boys is here. <laughs> I can't remember his name either. Richie is his character's name. Richie is his character's name. Uh, he was, I liked him at moments, and then I didn't like him at other moments. Mm. I was a little bit on the fence about him, but I did I did enjoy him uh, as the killer. Yeah. As one of the killers. Big reveal, yeah. Big reveal. Um, never trust the boyfriend. Uh, and I think that that was a really cool thing to bring around, like the first full movie Full circle, does. yeah. Full circle, very full circle. But yeah, I think those were kind of the standout characters in the new cast for me. Yeah. Um, there are some forgettable characters like uh, the jock dude's girlfriend. Oh, yeah. She was kind of bland. She was just there to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the new reporters on the scene or whatever. Now that Gail is no longer a reporter. And, like, there are other reporters that come up to her. Also, Gail is less bitchy in this movie. She is. Gotta She's, love that. She seems to have had a little bit of reflection in the 10 years that she has not been with Dewey. She now does morning weather news, which is, I think, very fitting for her. Gail yeah. Weathers. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, still at this point, Gail Riley. Oh, yeah. She doesn't drop still the married. last name, I don't think. Which is sweet. In, yes. in context of what we're going to get into. 
yeah. shortly. But I, I think for me, my standout characters, yeah, I loved the Meeks Martin twins. I mm-hmm. feel like um, they were a perfect way of bringing like that ran- the legacy of Randy's character yes. back into it. These are his, his niece and nephew. Uh, and I, I love how they have like a Randy's home theater, you know, like I, I thought that was awesome. Um, but I think, I feel like they kind of perfectly nailed the tone of what Randy was and what he was to the movies, but also like why people liked him. Yeah. And I feel like in particular, uh, Jasmine Savoy Brown mm-hmm. is, she's just hilarious. She has some really funny scenes, uh, including one of the most meta moments of the entire franchise where she is in the house that they were in from the screen movie at the ending of that. And she's watching Randy watch the original Stab movie. Yeah, exactly. And it's very meta. It's super funny. Um, I also feel like uh, Mason Gooding, the other twin, he was really funny. Also, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s son. Oh, I didn't even, I I didn't even was, know that. Yeah, um, yeah I, think, I think they're a really good like mix of Randy. Because uh, with, with the brother twin, you get uh, the dude twin. You get um, the more kind of like doesn't he's a very i mean i think randy was a bit of an asshole at times absolutely could definitely be yeah so i think that's the asshole comes out in him um and just like the sheer confidence and then the movie nerd side comes out in her uh so i think it's a really cool mix of the two i think it's very fitting divides his personality traits amongst the two of them yeah and i also love the little thumbs up they give each other at the very end yeah when they're both alive at the yeah end. they're both alive they're like ah we did it we, did we didn't it. die yeah um, I also, as you said, I love Jenna Ortega, who is, I truly think she's such a great actress, and uh, I love that she's carving out a little thing for herself as a Scream queen. She was, uh, she was yeah. in The Babysitter, now she's in Scream, uh, then she's in the new A24 horror movie, which is funny considering her character's dialogue, mm-hmm. uh, and then on top of that, she's going to be playing Wednesday in the new Adams Family series. So I, I am interested. Okay. In, I know I'm interested <laughs> in seeing that. So not not because of her, just because I feel like the Adams family is so dead. It's Tim Burton doing it. It's weird. They are milking that franchise dry. Yeah, they are absolutely. Uh, I also love Dylan Minnette as Wes Hicks. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna be, just be very blunt. Spoilers. This man was in about 15 minutes of the movie before he got his throat slit, and I just feel like Dylan Minnette is a v- incredible actor. And, and I just, I really like seeing him and stuff. Whenever we get to see yeah. Dylan Minnette, I'm like, yeah. And and then he died very quickly. But I think he did a good job just playing this very sweet, likable guy who's in the friend group where when, when we went, when we were going into the movie, I looked at the poster and I was like, damn, Dylan Minnette might, might be the killer. And the second I seen him on screen, I was like, he's not the killer. No. He's too nice. Yeah. Um, but I just thought he was really likable despite his very short amount of screen time. I think it's also a perfect, I will say this, I think it's a perfect death. I think it's so fitting because he was the one who was so cautious and so prepared about mm-hmm. all these things. Then he immediately gets killed. And it shows the audience that there are no whole, you can't, you can't stop. You can't cheat this. Yeah, you can't cheat this. This is going to happen. I think his, his death scene leading up, or leading up to his death scene too, where we know his mom's dead. Yeah. She just got stabbed on the front lawn. Um, and then he's going around, he's opening the freezer and he's opening the fridge and it's actually meant to be very funny. And it is like, this was a, a really effective gag for me because I was like, I know what they're doing. Yeah. I, the first time it happened, I realized what they're doing and I was like, Oh no. It's really good. It's really funny. Um, and I, I think that's the thing is like a lot of people have, I've had, I've heard discussions about, is this movie too meta? Um, and I think at this point in, in the Scream franchise, you have to just up the ante. You know, the whole Scream thing is like, look at how meta we can be. Look at how much we can fuck with what you know about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And they, they have to do that. And I think 
the most successful moments in in this new one are kind of paving the way for something new while also pointing back at what we already know. Yeah. You know? I, I, I wanted to talk about, we mentioned this briefly, but I wanted to talk about how, how funny it is that this is just called Scream. We're in a, a day and age where the big thing in horror right now is either like these weird um, metaphorical horror movies about like, you know, like Hereditary or Midsommar about like, look what grief does. You know, look yeah. at how horrible uh, grief can be and stuff like that. But then also... You have this huge trend that has started popping up. They're doing it with Texas Chainsaw. They're doing it with Chucky. They're doing it with Halloween, where it's a sequel in regards to there's new characters, but then they're also tying it in with these legacy characters and trying to harken back to what we already know. And I, I just think that the the title, as we had mentioned, being Scream, and the way that it's bringing Sydney back to kind of she's literally playing the Laurie Strode role from the 2018 Halloween of like I'm gonna stop this with yeah. the with the gun and everything. Mm. I just feel like that was really clever. And uh, just something I thought was worth mentioning. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's talk about the killer reveal. At the end of the movie, they're at this party, and uh, they go there because they need to grab Tara's inhaler. She has very bad asthma, so they go there to get that. They pulled this, let me just say, they pulled the smartest move. They're like, we're going to do the one thing that no one ever does in horror movies. We're leaving. We're getting out of here. Getting out of here. Smart move. So they go to the house to get the inhaler. Uh, They make everybody leave the party. Mm-hmm. And then it is revealed that the killer is uh, Samantha's boyfriend, played by uh, Jack Quaid. We liked him for the entire movie, man. It's so it's so upsetting, but they, they do this clever thing where it's the Billy Loomis thing all over again. I, I saw, honestly, this was one of the killers that I knew was going to was gonna be, or like one of the ones that I was skeptical on. Because I, I, like, I was like, they are subverting it in a way that Scream doesn't do, where they're like, this is such a nice guy. He knows nothing about horror movies. I was like, that's kind of suspicious. Suspect. In the world of a Scream movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of had my suspicions, but I, I really do. His reveal is kind of cool, honestly. It is, because it's revealed that him and uh, Amber, who is Tara's best friend, her loyal best friend, who's throwing accusations throughout the entire movie. Such, really such an obvious killer, honestly. I know. A little too obvious, in my opinion, but... I think both the killers are kind of obvious here, but I still... I think they work. Yes. I do think they work. I think um, Tara's friend being the killer, so obvious because there's so many scenes where everyone's like, it could be you. And she's just like, yeah, what if it is me? Huh? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to murder you if it's me. <laughs> and I'm like, you're not defending yourself at yeah, all here. You're not worried about this at all. No. But it's revealed they are disgruntled fans of the Stab franchise, uh, the movie series that's based on the Scream events. Uh, they bonded over their hatred for the direction of the franchise, and in particular, the newest movie, Stab 8. Uh, they went on this killing spree so that the Stab franchise would have new source material, and then they would go back to being inspired by real murder sprees like they were in Stab 1, 2, and 3 when the movies were quote-unquote good. Uh, and I think that this is just such a fun poking of, like, toxic fandom. Yeah. And it's like, hey, Star Wars fans, remember how you guys were talking about killing Ryan Johnson because he made a bad Star Wars movie? Mm-hmm. It's like, this is how goofy you guys look right now. Yeah. Um, I, I think it just pokes at that in such a fun way where it's really making fun of the fans who take their love to something, to such an extreme and kind of unhealthy level in this unhealthy scenario it being a murder spree. But mm-hmm. I think that the way it pokes at that is fun. What did you make of all the themes of toxic fandom and stuff that they try and get at? I will say... They, they did say that motive, and I kind of groaned a little bit. Just mm-hmm. because I get the joke that they're making. It's a good joke. It's something that has plagued Hollywood for years of fandoms being like, you made my movie franchise shit. I hate you. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, 
like think about this for a second. I if I loved Star Wars so much and they're making this new Star Wars stuff, and I'm like, they just don't have the right material. I'm not gonna build a fucking spaceship and go into space. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Like the idea of um, them being like, we want to give them material to work off of now, so let's murder a bunch of people. Like I get it, mm-hmm. but to me, kind of stupid. I, I thought about it for a moment. I was like, okay, that's a weak motive, but I'll take it because you're a Scream movie. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, it is still cool reveal. Um, I just think the motive is a little weak. I kind of liked it, but I do understand the criticism toward it being like, this is kind of stupid. But I also thought it was like very fitting for the Scream franchise to, to end up. It's, it is kind of full circle to be like, this motive is inspired by how bad this franchise has gotten. Yeah. Not the screen franchise, the staff franchise, of course. But yeah, exactly, and and I get it. I just have trouble turning my brain off to things like that. Yeah, and they're so blatantly obviously right there. I'm just like, uh, but like this makes this is kind of weird. But it it's still it's still a fun thing where they're like, we bonded over that. I can't, I'm sorry, I can't even say it without laughing. <laughs> we bonded over how bad the movies were, so we're like, let's murder let's some people, make our own. Yeah, it's a little ridiculous, but hey, what do you do? At least the uh, the actors both completely sell it. Jack Quaid, uh, really flipping his performance into something pretty fun, and like, yep. I, I love the moment where he walks up to Sammy, stabs her, and he's like, "I know, it sucks, it's me, doesn't it?" And I'm like, "Damn, that's just a, a fun line because he's even acknowledging that like that twist is like that kind of sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, that it's the boyfriend again. It's so obvious. Yeah." Um, but I, okay, we we skimmed over something that's really important that I wanted to talk about, mm. uh, and that is the tragic death, the tragic death of Dewey, of the boy Dewey Riley. Um, what did you What did you make of Dewey's death? Dewey's death is the most badass thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It's pretty dope. I pretty here's dope. what I want to say about it. Him drop reloading his revolver as he walks I towards. Loved it. So cool. Yeah. Uh, I love how he knows that they have, he has to shoot him in the head uh, to make sure that they're dead. Um, it's sad to see him die at the same time. Um, it's fitting for his character. I think I agree because there has always been something that's drawn Dewey back to the murders. Even if he's no longer a sheriff, even if he, uh, in the earlier movies was horribly injured, um, from what had happened, there was always something, the danger of it that brought him back. The knowledge that he hadn't finished what he'd started, um, and so I think it's so fitting that he dies. Uh, at the same time, I'm very sad because he's such an awesome character, but it works. He was, when, when I saw that this movie was announced, I was like, someone's dying. Yeah. One of the main three die. is dying. Because that was kind of the big criticism for four was like, you guys came back 11, late, 11 years later and you didn't kill anyone. Yeah. You know, like it kind of felt anticlimactic. So to bring it back again after all this time, I knew there was just zero chance all three of them were making it out. Mm-hmm. I think Dewey is the... The, the right choice here, because he is the person who, like you said, has found himself most drawn to this, unable to let it go, and to have him go out helping a new generation, and on top of that, go out following his own his own rules, of like the, the rules of the yeah. genre. He knows this at this point. He's like, I can't let him go. I need to shoot him in the head. It's the only way to finish this. Mm-hmm. Sadly, not, not enough, and he gets distracted by his phone buzzing, which is kind of my only issue with this scene. Yeah. Um... And then the killer, who had a bulletproof vest on, um, gets up, says, it's an honor, and then absolutely flays the man. Yeah. Um, really upsetting, but, I mean, you know, Dewey 
did have to go out, and it, it is fitting that he goes out if, if anybody is going to. Yeah. Uh, so, like, what did you think of the legacy characters? How did you feel about them being brought back into the fold, and how do you feel that they did it in this one? I think they did it really well, where they didn't make them the main characters. They have this new branch of main characters. Um, still connecting it, though, to the fact that our main character, she is Billy's daughter. Billy Loomis's illegitimate child or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so it's cool that they just bring them back at the end to just kind of be like, well, here is, um, obviously these things are happening again. Obviously these people are going to come back. They don't really, um, get super involved until like the third act of the movie, especially Sydney and, and Gail. Yeah, exactly. Which I really do appreciate. I think having Dewey be the one that they first call on to come back makes so much sense because he is the cop. He is the one, uh, who, uh, was in charge of all this stuff. And so, um, yeah, I think they do it really well, tastefully, not too, not too much where they're like, hey, you remember these guys? You remember these, the main characters? Mm-hmm. They bring them back in naturally, and I think it's done really well. Yeah, I like the fact that they kind of seamlessly make them not our main characters. Yeah. And it, it doesn't ever feel like it's like, oh, okay, where's Sydney doing Gale? I'm aware of where characters are at the time, and I understand why they're not there. Mm-hmm. And that's all that matters. And I, I'm aware that Sydney's going to come back into the fold, but like, I wasn't really bothered by Sydney barely being in the movie until like an hour and 20 minutes in. Yeah. I don't think that affects the movie. I think if anybody um, wasn't used phenomenally, I just think it might've been Gail just because she's, she doesn't have a lot going on aside from like how pissed off she is that Dewey's dead. Yeah. Um, and I do kind of wish Sydney grieved Dewey a little bit more, but that's just like little nitpicks, you know? Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, one scene in particular I wanted to mention was when uh, Amber Gets absolutely lit on fire, exactly like she did in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that was, like, intentional. But I love when uh, Amber says, this is the passing of the torch, when she stabs Gail, and then Gail kicks her onto the uh, stovetop, lights her on fire, and says, how's that torch? Oh, I'm sorry, Hayden. And dude, I love that shit. That was That was so, so good. It was so good. No. It was... I thought it was great. I thought I was like, yeah, justice for Dewey. How is that torch? <laughs> You're on fire now. Get it? You're the one on fire. <laughs> I, th- I, I thought even, it was funny. I think I I get why it's funny. Mm-hmm. It's just such a groaner. Then that was one of those ones where you're like, ugh. It's it's such a cheesy, and it, I mean, once again, it fits for the movie and it makes sense, but it's just one of those cheesy horror lines. Yeah, that's that they true. just threw it in there, and I was like, I get it. It's kind of funny. But Scream was, loves those cheesy lines, though, you know? I know. Like, especially right before someone dies, it's always, like, not in my movie. But that one was so much, like, it was so cheesy, because it was, like, she gets kicked in things, she lights on fire, and then she's down, and literally the camera zoomed up to their faces, and then she says the line, looking at the camera. <laughs> she's like, how do you like that torch? And yeah, it cuts to something else. That's fair. Um, uh, Yeah. I loved it. I totally understand why that one That one did not work didn't for work. me. Yeah. No. That's fair. Um... What did you think about the Billy Loomis stuff? Uh, I, I, I'm going to say this really quickly because we've already had a big conversation about this. But um, I think it works to a level. I think it would work better if he didn't talk. Yeah. And was just more of like a remnant thing that bothers our main character uh, occasionally. He's just there too much. Yeah, because like, and him speaking is weird because I already know what Billy would be saying if he was in someone's head. Yeah. Right? Like if, if Sam was being tormented by Billy... I know that it's, like, some homicidal thing. Like, I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, it's Billy, like, making you upset that he didn't take you out for dinner. You know what I mean? Like, I know what it is. And yeah. so, like, it's weird to have him saying it. On top of the fact that, like, 
this movie's budget is just not high enough for CGI creations of actors yeah, no, who are 25 years older. It's not yeah. necessary at all. And it just, it kind of looks bad. I'm not going to lie. It would have been the exact same thing, and if not the exact same thing, better if he was just there and didn't speak. And yeah. just appeared in mirrors and things like that. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Um, and this is the, the final thing I want to touch on. As someone who who grew up with the Scream movies and um, who I, I love Wes Craven. I'm a huge fan of all of Wes's other work. And I think this movie is does a great job honoring him. I think it honors his his tone, his legacy, who he was as a director, the characters that he made famous without trying to be like, hey, we are Wes Craven. Without being like, we are not our own directors. We are only him. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it does that really well. And I found it very sweet that uh, Dylan Minnette's character, his name is Wes. And when he dies very brutally early in the movie, they are throwing the party and they say, for Wes. And they, they put the toast up and they do a cheer yeah. for Wes. And then one of them says, we wouldn't be doing this without him. And I think that that's like, a, it's obviously very on the nose. A hundred percent. But I found that to be a very nice moment. And um, yeah, RIP Wes Craven. Wesley, I know you're mm-hmm. unfamiliar with his work, but uh, as someone who's, I mean, aside from the Scream movies. What are you talking about? I just watched five yeah, like, movies. I just watched five movies. You just made me watch five movies that this man directed. Four, but yes. Oh, four movies. Um, Actually, three movies that he directed. Yeah. But I, I think that it does a great job honoring him and his legacy and what he built while also being like, Maybe if we go forward, it doesn't have to be so rooted in what we've done before, you mm-hmm. know? Which I don't think they should. I, I think don't either. should be the I th- end. I think this is a great ending. And as somebody who would, like, obviously, like, I love more of things I love, but this is a great ending. It really yeah. wraps up perfectly with the final frame of Scream 5 being the same shot at the ending of Scream 1. Mm-hmm. It recreates the, the aftermath of the house. Yeah. And I feel like that's a great full circle moment. There's a lot of really great full circle moments. Here. Yeah. And also too, I don't think we mentioned this, the house that the final fight is in is Billy's house mm-hmm. from the first movie. Stu's, yeah. Or Stu's house. Or is it? I thought it was Billy's house. No, I believe it is Stu's. But. No. Um, it's from the first movie. Um, so yeah, very all, all around, very good roundabout ending of uh, what I think should be the ending of this franchise. I agree. I think it, uh, it calls back perfectly to the things that worked in other movies there's some really great callbacks here. Some really fun stuff. Some really gnarly kills. Like Ghostface is fucking people up in this one. Yeah. And uh, it's just overall a really, really satisfying Scream movie. If you like this franchise, I think Scream 5 is the best it's been in a while. And I think it it, it just comes together to fully work in, in most ways for me. I don't have a lot of nitpicks aside from like the Billy stuff. It's kind of weird and mm-hmm. a couple little things. But And M- Melissa Barrera. Yeah. But overall, I thought this was wonderful. And I... Now that we've made it all around and we've come back around, I'm just so happy as a Scream fan that they, they stuck the landing. You know, like if you yeah. say the sentence, someone other than Wes Craven is directing a fifth movie 11 years after Wes Craven's last one. That sounds like it should not work at all and like we're probably in for a bad movie. And the fact that the general consensus is this is the second best Scream movie, that's pretty great to see. It's a really yeah. nice feeling. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on Scream 5? I would rate Scream 5 a 4.5. Mm-hmm. for me as well. It gets the same, which might actually bump my Scream 1 rating up to a 5. Let's go! Um, But, yeah, 4.5. Very good. Uh, A lot of fun. Uh, A few plot issues that I can get over, Mm -hmm. and a few characters, or a few actresses that I can get over as well. Yeah. It's Um, all little things. There's nothing really big I didn't like about this movie. Yeah. Uh, But that, uh, you, you're... Uh, yeah, what's your rating? You gave 4.5 as well. 4.5. Yeah. Oh, man. It's a solid 
four and a half stabs out of out of five stabs out of five um, stab movies but yeah uh, and, I, and i think that uh wraps us around to i think we should rate all of the movies and we have the same list yes so we're just gonna have to do it all, all at yeah do you just go for it okay Give out, go for it tell the world what our definitive ranking of the screen movies is my definitive or our definitive scream ranking it goes as follows scream one i'm only calling it scream one because scream five is going to complicate calling it scream mm-hmm. uh scream one masterpiece uh second place is the new one uh scream five uh third place is scream two fourth place is scream four funny to see four coming mm-hmm. in four and then fifth place is three which is just you know not a good movie yeah and i think we were going to rank killers but it actually i think ended up being the exact same thing for our, our killer rankings i yeah. think billy and Stu can't be beat and um i don't even know if i actually would put five as second for killer reveal who would you put maybe jill oh but Mine I, stays the same. Okay. My kill ranking stays the same. I think just I will just to make it easy. I will, I will make it the same as well. <laughs> I just I I am a I'm a Jill fan. I almost bumped her in there. But yeah, that that wraps it on the screen pod. I think yeah. that's, I could talk way more about it, but we're already talking for an hour and a half. It's time to wrap this thing up. Yes, exactly. Um, so as we wrap up this screen podcast, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, hit us up on. Uh, actually check out our other episodes uh, on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also check us out on Instagram at the Dive and Movie Cast. Let us know what your favorite scary movie is. Damn it. <laughs> I was going to do that. Get <laughs> <laughs> you to it. Um, and you can also find us at our individual Instagrams. I'm at Wesley Giffen. I am at Hayden Kudris, and it is the same name on our letterbox. So thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. It's a scream, baby. 